0: Today, we're reading From Yourself and Your House Wonderful by H.A. Gerber. Chapter 5 Your Twin Pumping Dwarfs. You have already heard of several of the clever little servants who live in your house and work for you night and day as long as you live. They do not ask for any wages or holidays, and keep cheerful and active as long as you treat them kindly, and do not hinder them too much in their work. Now, I'm going to tell you about the twin dwarfs, who live in the pumping station. They, too, are very busy little servants, and if you put your ear down on anyone's chest, just a little below the left breast, you can easily hear these two little dwarfs working busily day and night. The pumping station is also called the heart. Although it is only as big as your fist, it is divided into four small rooms in which a great deal of work is done, as you're going to see. There is a thin but strong wall running right through the middle of the heart or pumping station, and as there is no opening of any kind in this wall, the twins, who live on either side of it, never catch a glimpse of each other. Still, they can hear each other, exchange telegrams, and their duties are so very much alike that they are real twins in every way on the left side of the heart. At the top, there is a room, oracle, into which a pipe pours bright red blood. When this room is full of blood, the pumping dwarf who lives on that side of the heart opens a little trap door in the floor and lets the blood flow down into a room just below it, ventricle, whose walls are very elastic indeed. When all the blood has flowed down, the dwarf closes the door again and begins to tug at some ropes which draw that elastic walled room together, very much in a way you squeeze a rubber bulb in your hand. Of course, the blood that the room contains has to go somewhere. And as the doors above are shut tight, and it cannot go back into the upper room, it rushes quickly down into a big pipe in one corner of the lower room, making a roaring noise, which you can hear if you listen very closely with your ear against someone's chest. The blood, thus forced out of the lower room by pumping dwarf number one, flows swiftly along the big tube, which soon divides into two smaller branches. These, in turn, break into two more which both split up before long, and so it goes on, each tube being just a little smaller than the one before, until the last the tubes get to be finer than the finest hair. When the pumping dwarf has emptied his lower chamber, he takes a wee rest while the upper chamber fills once more. Then he starts up, opens the door, closes it again, tugs at his ropes, and sends a new room full of blood down into the big tube. Night and day the pumping dwarf works, resting only between each squeeze, and he is so steady and reliable that you can hear him working away almost as regularly as a clock ticks. He is so faithful that the master does not need to remind him of his duty, or to send him any orders in fact the master can go to sleep feeling quite sure the pumping dwarf will go on working just as steadily as if he were watched every minute the pumping dwarf works on so steadily not only because he is a good servant but because he knows that new blood is needed in all the different parts of the body every second he is aware of the fact that you need more blood when you are running than when you are sitting still and more when you are awake than you are asleep, so he pumps more or less fast to keep up the supply. Now you may wonder why it is so important that fresh blood should go to all the parts of the body so often, and I'm going to try to explain it so that you'm sure to understand. You have all seen blood, so you will all know that it looks very much like bright red water. Still, none of you have sharp enough eyes to see what wise doctors have found out by means of their microscopes. That is, that blood is really made of several things. So imagine a glass bottle. It is quite empty, so you can see right through it. Now I'm going to fill it with pure water. You can still see through the bottle, can you not? And if I hold it far enough away, you cannot feel quite sure whether it is full or empty, because clear water and clear, clean glass look very much alike at a distance. I am now going to drop all these tiny little red glass beads into the bottle. Now see, it is quite full of them, although there is still a little water between and around the beads. If I hold the bottle far enough away from you, you won't notice the water at all, but the bottle will look just as if it were filled with some red liquid. Next, we will empty the bottle and fill it again with water and red beads, but putting in one white glass bead to every 300 red ones. If I hold the bottle far away, you won't notice either the water or the white beads, and it will still look as just as if the bottle was full of red liquid. But if I bring it near enough to your eyes, you will be able to see the water and even to count the red and white beads. It is just the same with our blood. All the blood in our bodies is made up of a yellowish kind of water, in which floats many, many red and white things, shaped something like beads. The red ones are so many, and lie so close together in the yellow water, that they make it look red, just as the water in the bottle looked red when many red beads were in it, and I held it at a distance. The little red beads in the blood are so very tiny that no human eye has ever been sharp enough to see them, but a microscope shows them very plainly. As you know, the red and white glass beads in the bottle are all hard and lifeless, but each of the little red or white beads in our blood is soft and alive. In fact, each of them is something like a little boat, for it floats rapidly along in the watery part of the blood, carrying a load of food and air to all the different parts of the body. Since the blood beads or boats are very small and you can't see them without the help of a microscope, you can readily understand what very small loads of food and air they carry. But there are so very many of them, and they travel so very fast, that small as they are, they manage to carry plenty of food, air, and other building materials to all parts of the body, so it can be kept in good repair and even made to grow. The little blood boats are so clever at loading and unloading that they give up all their good food and air and take up all the waste material and bad air in exchange without stopping long enough for us to notice it. Besides, they float along so swiftly that wise doctors have found out that it takes much less than five minutes for the blood boats to sail through the many, many feet of tubing, reach the furthest part of the body, unload, load back up again, and get back to their starting place. You have heard how the big tube, starting from the heart, divides up again and again. The blood ships, instead of sailing ever so many side by side in a broad river, finally have to pass single file down tiny canals. In fact, some blood canals are so tiny and they are so numerous that you can hardly run the finest needle into any part of your body without piercing one of them and thus causing blood to flow out. After the pipes leading from the heart, the arteries, have divided up until they cannot divide any more. The blood boats pass into a new set of pipes, the veins, which do just the contrary. They are tiny and numerous at first, but two keep joining into one until they get bigger and bigger as they draw nearer the heart once more. All the blood boats which were sent out from the heart always come back to it after giving up their loads of air and food. They come back laden with bad air and refuse and meet many other boats coming up from the liver and bowels laden with food to use. Now, as you know, a ship leaving port is generally freshly painted, neat and clean and fully loaded. But a ship coming back to port after a long journey often looks dingy, battered and untidy. Before it can start on a new journey, it needs to be repaired, cleaned, and painted, or overhauled, as sailors generally call it. It is just the same with the little ships in our blood. They are clean and look bright and red when they begin their journey. But by the time they have carried their cargo to the place it belongs and brought back a load of refuse, they are so battered and dirty and dingy that the stream in which they float, instead of looking bright red, seems dark red or purplish in hue. In fact, the change in the color of the little bloodships is so great that people generally say the blood, which dwarf number one sends out, is red, while the blood that comes back to dwarf number two is blue. When the bloodships come back dingy, worn, and laden with refuse, the stream in which they float pours right down into the top room on the right side of the heart wall. When this room is full of blood, the second twin dwarf opens his trapdoor in the floor and lets it flow down into the lower room. This is exactly like the room on the other side of the wall. And dwarf number two also has ropes to pull so he can squeeze the bluish blood into a big pipe too. But this time, it is dirty blood which flows out, and before it can do any more work, it has to be cleaned. The place where this is done is the lungs, about which we will talk more further on. Just now, it is enough for you to know that in the lungs, each little ship will not only be cleaned and repaired, but relieved of its load of refuse, given nice fresh air and food to carry, and sent back to the pumping station, where dwarf number one will start it out again on a new journey. It is because the little blood boats float around and around, in a ring, as it were, or in a circuit, that people are in the habit of saying that blood circulates all through the body. They call this complete round made by the blood the circulation. When the little dwarfs are both in a good temper and work briskly, and when the little ships are all in good repair and nicely loaded, the master of the house knows that all is well, so he often says his circulation is good, for he feels just warm enough, well, and happy. But when the little pumping dwarfs are in a bad temper, when they do not do their work well, or when the little ships are not properly cleaned, repaired, and loaded, the master knows that something is wrong. He complains that his circulation is poor, that he feels too hot or too cold, and is sick and unhappy. Now it may be some of you that wonder what can make the twin pumping dwarfs cross. "'Well, I can tell you. "'They never object to hard work, and will plod on, "'provided the master sees to it "'that there is enough good food and air to load the boats. "'The dwarfs are even ready to work faster every once in a while, "'if their master wishes to enjoy a little run.' "'But if they have to keep on tugging their ropes "'without getting any chance at all "'to snatch their wee rest between times, "'or if they are working so hard "'merely to send out half-laden blood boats, "'they are very apt to get angry. "'Sometimes they send telegrams up to the master saying, "'Here, you'd better be a little careful. "'It won't do to strain this delicate machinery. "'It can get out of order, you know. "'And if it gets badly out of order, "'neither you nor the wisest doctor who ever lived "'can get it right again.' Don't you think you ought to give us a wee chance to rest? If you don't, we may strike and refuse to work at all. You know, if we do not send fresh blood to all your servants and to all parts of your house to keep it clean and in good repair, no work can be done in it. It will all go to pieces. And then you will have to move out whether you are ready to go or not. Or else they say, Why don't you eat wholesome things and breathe plenty of nice fresh air? You know it is your business to do so. And if you do not, the blood boats cannot be properly loaded. Here we are working away night and day, sending them out only half loaded. They are certainly not carrying food and air enough to keep your servants in a good temper. Neither are their building materials enough to keep your house in good repair, let alone make it as big as it should be to suit your wants. Can't you use a little common sense and look after things a little better? After all, you will suffer most in the end if all does not go right, so do try to be sensible. The master should realize what the twin servants say is perfectly true, and that as he can occupy the house only as long as their pumps are working nicely, he had better pay good attention to their warnings. If he is wise, therefore, he will see that there is enough good food and air to load all the blood boats, and he will stop running, jumping, or overtaxing himself whenever the dwarfs call to his notice that their poor machinery is thumping too hard in its efforts to send the blood boats along fast enough to do all the work he wishes. The pipes leading to and from the heart run under your skin in all directions. Most of the bigger pipes are so far inside that you cannot see them, but a few run near enough to the surface to enable you to trace their course. In all the pipes coming from the heart, you can generally feel or hear the thumping of the pump. When a doctor wishes to know whether your pumping dwarfs are in a good temper, he always lays his finger on a certain spot in your wrist. There he feels the blood run through the pipe, and he can count the strokes of the tiny pump. He knows just how many times the dwarfs should pull their ropes every minute, and by feeling your pulse, as it is called, he finds out whether they are doing their duty. If the pulse beats too fast, he knows you've been overexerting yourself. Or if you have a fever, if it beats too slowly that the dwarfs are cross because the blood boats are not properly loaded or because there's not liquid enough to fill the little rooms as often as they would like. When you cut yourself, you can tell by the color and especially by the way it flows, whether it is nice new blood, which is streaming from the wound or whether it is old used up blood. If the blood is on its way from the heart and is new, it will look bright red and will flow in jets or spurts, each coming with the tug, which dwarf number one gives to his ropes. In that case, you should hold the cut in such a way that the blood would have to run uphill to reach it from the heart. This will check the flow a trifle. If it is a very deep cut, which bleeds hard, hold your hand or finger over the place so as to stop the blood from flowing. Then tie, or get someone else to tie, a handkerchief, cord, or bandage very tightly over the cut. Next, run a pencil or a bit of stick through this bandage and turn it round and round in the way your mother or teacher will show you. Every turn you give the stick will serve to make the bandage tighter, and by and by it will press so hard on the pipes under the skin that it will stop the blood from flowing until a clot can form and act as a cork to stop up the hole." If the blood flows in jets, it is always best to send for a doctor right away so he can bandage the wound properly. But you must always try to stop the bleeding, as I have explained, without waiting until he comes. You must not wait for the doctor to do it, because when the blood flows in jets, it has to be checked at once, or the wounded person may bleed to death. If the blood from any cut is dark red and flows evenly, you may be sure that it is worn-out blood on its way back to the heart. It does not matter so much, therefore, if you do lose a little of that. To stop its flow, you can tie a bandage in the same way I described, and the blood will soon stop flowing. If it is a very big and deep cut, draw the two sides as closely together as you can before you tie it up, then send for the doctor so he can sew it up. Except in the case of very bad cuts or wounds, the blood on coming against the air soon grows thick enough to form a clot which stops up the opening, prevents the loss of any more blood, and finally helps to heal the injured part, where all the little white boats now hurry with new building material. Any child who gets a bad fall or knock can greatly lessen the pain and prevent an ugly black and blue mark by wetting a folded cloth in hot water and laying it on the spot the water must be just as hot as one can bear it, and the cloth must be changed very often so as to keep hot water all the time on the hurt. The heat brings the blood to this place, as you can easily see, for it gets very red. Then all the little blood boats all come rushing there in a hurry, laden with food and air, and they quickly give up their loads. The white boats come too, and thus damage is repaired as quickly as possible. thank you for joining us today if you enjoyed today's episode please leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and share our podcast with a friend stay connected by following us on facebook at facebook.com slash enchanted library if you'd like to support the work we do you can visit our patreon page at www.patreon.com slash enchanted library we appreciate your support until next time friends happy reading